The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2015th SENT Conference. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Doing your major in another country. So we want you to think the rest of the time that you're here, like, this could be you. So as the next few talks happen, think this could be you. What what could the Lord be stirring in your heart where you could go? So I get the privilege of introducing our next speaker. So Laura was uh, on staff with Campus Outreach Minneapolis at Northwestern when I was a student. And uh, we got to do a lot of fun things together. We got to lead actually a missions or a spring break trip one year, which is pretty fun. I was like a student. She's staff and I'm like leading it, but she was like helping me. It's really funny. But so we have a lot of funny stories that way. She also discipled my wife in college for two years, which I'm extremely grateful for. And then she spent the last five years, four years, I'm going to say five, it was four, in, uh, in Thailand with Campus Outreach. And so the thing about Laura is, is she has a passion for the Lord, but as long as I've known her, she's had a passion to go overseas. And she spent the last four years now on staff with Campus Outreach Thailand doing the same thing over there. And like I said, I feel really grateful for her, not only because of the things I learned from her in college, but she spent so much time with my wife, who I get to benefit the, from that and her spending time with my wife. And so why don't you guys join in welcoming up Laura as she comes to share. And then I will pray for Laura quick before she starts. Father, uh, Those realities from that video are true. Uh, The things uh, Caleb shared about are true. The reality is that there are tons of lost people all over the world needing to hear this gospel message, this good news that that we've heard and received. And Father, I pray that that you would help the students in this room think, how could this be me? How could I fit into this good news going forth? What could this look like for me as I graduate? How could I use the gifts that God's given me. Um, and Father, I pray that you'd specifically speak now through Laura. Would you use her words um, to impact us? Give her help, we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Am I on now? Does it work? Okay. I don't know. If you're nodding at me, I'll assume that it's working. Um, yeah, I'm Lara. I have met a few of you trying to think. Yeah, some of you I know, um, but a lot of you are really new faces. Um, But just know that I really, I love this ministry. I graduated from the U of M in 2006 and was on staff with CO Minneapolis for five years. So yeah, like Reed said, I know Reed and Nikki really well and remember her as a freshman at the U and yeah, anyway, I feel kind of old being here. I like, remember Paul and Sam Boutique before they were even married. If you can, like, Sam Boutique kind of discipled me when she was a single woman. So, yeah, lots of history, and it's just really fun to be here, and it's fun to see all of you because it makes you think God's faithful and he's doing it. Um, like Reed said, I've been working with Campus Outreach in Thailand for the last four years. And in Thailand, um, Thai people love to have fun, and there's always games. And so... Don't worry, this is not a cheesy game. It's just like a trivia fun thing. But it's Saturday morning, and I know people are tired. So I just need a rep from 
each campus. And I'll let you guys self-decide. I'll give you 30 seconds. So I need someone from the U, someone from Northwestern, Bethel, St. Cloud, St. Thomas. And just come on up here, and there will be a prize. There will be a prize. So come on up. Okay. Okay, who do we have? Oh, good. We're getting a mix of guys and girls. Okay. We're missing one campus. What campus are you from? Uh, Northwestern. Northwestern. St. Cloud. U of M. Bethel. So we're missing St. Thomas. Who says St. Thomas? Okay, you got it. Okay, great. Yeah. Here we are. Okay, we're just going to do a fun little like trivia game about missions in the world, and you're going to be accumulating points for your campus. I'll give you two points for a right answer and minus one for a wrong answer, okay? Um, and can you, here, just line up like uh, right here and face me, okay? Here, like this is easy. So you can go like this, and then you can go there. Yeah, there you go. Okay, do you see? Do you want, do you want a mic? Okay, oh yeah, here, you can mic. Oh, we should do this here. You should just introduce yourself real quick. Just say your name and what campus you're from. I'm Alex from the University of St. Thomas. Go Tommies. Yeah. I'm Eric from the U of M. Go Gophs. I'm Michael from Bethel. Go Bethel. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm Adam from St. Cloud State. Go Huskies. Okay. I'm Hannah Swanson from Northwestern. Okay. Hey. Can you can you turn on the PowerPoint, Josh? Here we go. Okay. So I'm going to go. I'll, I'll just say the question. will be up here. And then if you think you know the answer, I just want you to run up here and tag my hand, and you get the right to answer it, okay? Okay, there's just, there's just five questions. This won't be long, just five questions. Some of them will be more Bible-related, and some of them won't be at all. So anyway, there you go. Okay, the first question. To whom did God make the covenant? Oh, whoa, that was really fast. Okay. Abraham. Abraham, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Woo! Okay, St. Thomas, the last to come up, but hey, they're doing pretty well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. <laughs> you know, if you can read fast and you're that confident, I mean, Alex was really confident, so um, I'm, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him those two points just for his gumption to do it. So, okay, yes, so Abraham, the, pro the promise way back in Genesis, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Um, I don't have time. I'm not, today I'm not going to go through a biblical theology of missions, but if you've never thought about missions in the Old Testament, it's something really cool to think about, and you should ask your staff person or D group leader about it. Okay, that's all. Next question. I'll read it out loud, but hey, if you read faster, I'll just go for it. If all the people included in unreached people groups were added up, what would be the population number? Okay. Three billion. Three billion. That's right. Good oh. job. <laughs> Good job. Do you know here, what's your name again? Adam. Adam. What is an unreached people group? Do you know? An unreached people group isn't that a population that has less than like 3% evangelical Christian so that it doesn't have like a base from which to evangelize itself. That's great. I'll give you an extra credit point for that. We're just going to throw it around points here. So, yeah. So, an unreached people group usually say they don't have enough core believers within their own ethnic linguistic group to be able to evangelize themselves and they need outside help. It's around 3 billion people, which is about 40% of the world's population, lives in, among a group where it's, they're probably not going to meet a Christian. And in their daily lives, they just don't really know anyone who knows Christ. Okay, 
Next question. So right now we have St. Thomas with two points and St. Cloud State with three. Next question. What country has the most unrestricted... <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. India. Good job. It is India. Yes, India has the most unreached people. It's just a very populous country. <laughs> it's okay. Hannah, fight for it. You can do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are we ready? We're going to have a next question here. Are you ready? Okay. How many Somalis live in Minnesota? <laughs> okay. We're going to go with 40,000. That's correct. Oh, my God. Thank <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, man, St. Cloud State's really dominating. But this last question is a little more dear to my heart because it's about Thailand. And I'm going ev- to give everyone a chance to answer so you don't need to run. Because this one, this one is purely a make the guess sort of question, okay? Um, so, you don't need to freak out. I'm going to read it, so I'll give you time to think. Um, sorry, Mike, like, tie writing on PowerPoint doesn't really support it. I spent forever last night, and I was like, okay, forget it. So, anyway, but ties have tons of proverbs, and this is one of them. Um, so, what's the translation of this Thai proverb? So, I'll just say it so you can hear it. Ki chang jap takatan. Okay, so this is a Thai proverb. And I want you to say, what do you think, just guess, what do you think the Thai proverb means? Okay, I'm going to start down here with Hannah, ladies first. Okay. Okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, ride an elephant, catch a grasshopper. Okay. Same thing. Same thing. Okay. Full of rice, full of heart. Okay. Don't use an axe to cut bamboo. Full of rice, full heart. Okay. Well, the correct answer is ki chang jap takatan. Actually, means ride an elephant, catch a grasshopper. So here we go. I'll give you. Okay. There will be a point to win a point, extra credit point here, if you can tell me what you think that proverb means. To ride an elephant and catch a grasshopper. <laughs> like, well, like, what do you think? Because usually proverbs have like a meaning. It's like, what sort of situation would you use? Would you use that? that phrase for. Can you think what it would apply to? If they're like, oh, you're just riding an elephant to catch a grasshopper. <laughs> you're going really slow to go fast. <laughs> okay, going slow to go fast, as a guess. Here we go. Uh, you're riding high. Uh, <laughs> Um, to, to, uh, ca- catch okay. something that jumps. Okay, I think time's up there. Okay. Um, uh, it actually means, I don't think either of you are really right, it means like you're going through a lot of effort for very little benefit. Like you're doing a lot of hard stuff and you're getting nothing for it. It's like, why ride an elephant to catch a grasshopper? So, anyway, but good job. Um, so I think St. Cloud State ended up winning this thing. But I actually have a prize for all of you just for being brave to come up here. But I'll give you first pick. They're just like little notebooks from Thailand. You can pick whichever one you want. Okay, well, I'll let you fight amongst yourselves. So here you go.
Okay, now they're fighting over them. So they're little notebooks from Chiang Mai. Yeah, thanks for participating. Um, let's see here. I'm just going to give you, can I just give you that thing back? Um, well, hopefully that was a lot of fun. I, anyway, hopefully kind of got your energy going for Saturday morning. Um, I, I'm really excited to share with all of you this morning. And what I'm going to be sharing is not a lot of theology about missions, and I'm not going to be, there's lots of great passages in the Bible that we could talk about related to missions. Um, really what I'm going to do is share a lot of stories and talk about what God's done in my own life and, and the lives of some of my friends. And the goal isn't trying to highlight any people, but just to show that God is in the business of using normal people and that we all are jars of clay, but we have the treasure of the gospel with us. And if you have the treasure of the gospel, God can do a lot with you. But I hope through this, as you're listening, you feel like, hey, Lara's just a really normal person, and God was able to use her to do something, and you'd feel empowered, like, hey, God could use me to do something in the world as well. Um, so, yeah, like Reed said, background been in Thailand for the last four years. Before that, I was on staff here in Minneapolis for five. Um, but I, I want to start way before that and just kind of talk about how I even got a heart for missions in the first place. Because it's a little funny that I'm up here talking at a Scent conference. Because I didn't grow up just thinking about missions or other cultures. I think sometimes when we think about people who are missionaries, we kind of think they're just weird and just grew up loving ethnic food and they're just really good at languages and really multicultural people. And I'm not. <laughs> I grew up in I grew up in Chaska, Minnesota. I went to Chaska High School before Chan and Chaska split. I don't know if there's anyone here from the Chan Chaska area, but that's where I grew up. And yeah, I know there's this character, there's Cologne, Martha, that's close. So yeah. Um yeah, so I grew up there. I still remember, I went in like a high, I don't know if you guys did like the short-term high school youth group, short-term missions trip. So I was in, my parents are believers, involved in a church, and um, we went to South America. And I, I clearly remember writing down in my journal after that high school youth group trip, like, I don't think I'll ever be a missionary. I don't think I ever, I don't want to leave the U.S. Like, I just, I, the whole trip kind of quashed any desire for missions. But to be honest, I don't think I was really a believer at that time. If you asked me, I would have been like, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I think growing up, a lot of my views of being a Christian was just like, hey, I've done a few bad things. And Jesus died on the cross for those few bad things I did. But I didn't really understand the nature of sin and thinking about sin as like, our heart attitude before the Lord, and that it's not just the outward actions we do, but it's what we're thinking and what we're feeling. So anyway, high school, not much going on there. So I went to, um, went to school at the U of M, went there. I was a really ambitious student, worked hard, just kind of really saw myself on this great career track. And I was a good kid, so I felt like God should be a part of my life. And freshman year, I was like, okay, I guess I should go to a church. And really, I had no background with, like, Reformed theology. I never heard of Bethlehem Baptist Church. I didn't know anything about John Piper or anything like that. But they, 
Bethlehem offered rides from, I lived in Middlebrook. I don't know if anyone here knows Middlebrook. <laughs> Middlebrook, door. hey, there's a few people out here. So back in the day, anyways, I was like, okay, they, this church offers rides. I'll just go check it out. And actually, the first time I went to Bethlehem, I was really scared. I thought it was, um, I was like, why is the pastor yelling? And <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and so I was really overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to go to that church again. And now I'm like, a global partner at this church. But um but there, Sierra did not even exist at this time, my freshman year, which is kind of amazing. But um, there were two older girls who had a Bible study at Bethlehem. They met me, they got my number, and were like, hey, you know, we'll let you know. So they ended up calling me, kind of was like, okay, fine, I'll go to this Bible study. But it was through that that God did some really amazing things in my life because I was around these other women. I thought, whoa, their relationship with God seems so real and genuine, and I really longed for that, but I didn't know what was missing. I couldn't figure out what was missing in my life. Is my earring hitting this or something? Are you hearing a clicking noise? Sorry about that. This is why girls should not wear earrings. Um, okay, I'm not sure. Is it? Can you hear me now? Is it working? Uh, let's see. Okay, this is the first time I've used one of these like head mic things. Is that okay? Okay. Sorry, Josh is going to fix it. Here, you know what? You don't need to fix it. I'll just take off the earrings, and it won't clip. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, people. This is like kind of awkward. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll just pull it. It's okay. Or I can just hold it. It's fine, too. Um, anyway, is this good? Can people hear me? Is it okay? I'm okay with it. We're, out. We're good to go. Um, so, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I've had this Bible study these girls' relationship with God seems so real. And they would talk about stuff like how the sermon related to their life and how stuff they were reading in the Bible connected to this thing that had just happened to them. I was like, wow, I've never seen that much connection between church and Bible and my actual day-to-day life. And I never thought about sin as being such a big problem and the nature of our hearts. And so freshman year was huge. I really think I came to Christ October of my freshman year. I, I really just understood for the first time how sinful I was and how much I didn't just need Jesus to fill in the gap a little bit, but I needed a total heart change. So that happened, and early on, just kind of, I think, once I came to Christ, I had all this background. It was like a skeleton of knowledge about God, but not a beating heart. It's like once you have a beating heart, I was like, I was starting to get it and really was growing a lot in my relationship with God. Then sophomore year, um, this weird thing called CO got started. They came up to Bethlehem. They were all from the South, and I was like, this is just really weird. <laughs> I didn't know what to think of it. And I, I, liked, I liked all the people who were on staff with CO, but honestly, I was like, they're a little extreme. And <laughs> that's, that was my initial thought. They're a little extreme, and evangelism scared me. So, okay, around my sophomore year, I was actually starting to lead a Bible study, and it was great. Like, I was really loving leading this Bible study. I was enjoying um, just learning how to study God's Word for myself. But the whole idea of evangelism was still something that I kind of avoided. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm just going to grow personally in my walk with God, but I don't really want to have to have awkward conversations with other people. In fact, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid having an awkward conversation with someone. So I was kind of nervous around some of the CEO staff. Like I remember Sam Poteet, this was before she was married, her and some of the other staff girls would want to come visit me. Um, I lived in like the new edition of Middlebrook at that time and in my sophomore year. And... Uh, I kind of dreaded when they would come because I was like, oh no, <laughs> they're going to do something awkward and what sort of conversation are they going to start? I was just like, uh, I don't know how about this. So God was working in my life, but at this point still not really there with missions, evangelism, kind of trying to avoid that kind of stuff. But 
God has a way of, he's really patient and compassionate with us. He's not angry, and I think he just has a way of slowly bringing things about in our lives. And what started happening my sophomore year is there's this one girl, her name is Diana. Actually, I have a picture with her. She's like this middle girl right here, Diana. Um, she, I knew her from my freshman year. I was actually good friends with her roommate, and she came from like a traditional Chinese family. She was really nice, really smart, and I would hang out in her, her room some because I was friends with her roommate, but I didn't really talk much to her. And then sophomore year, I kept running into her. We had classes together, and I just would see her around campus. And one day I was walking across campus, across the Washington Avenue Bridge, and she had this book in her hands, which actually was a Christian book. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And so she and I started talking. I was like, so how did you get that book? And she's like, well, someone was just passing it around on campus. Like, they just gave it to me for free. And that sparked a whole conversation about spiritual things because she was like, oh, you go to church, and what do you think? And she, she, I realized Diana had tons of questions about God. And I had assumed she kind of just knew about God and probably didn't care. But I found out pretty quickly she had been kind of going through some hard things in her life, really wondering about big questions of life, like what are we here? What's the meaning of life? What am I supposed to do with my life? And was really open to God. And the only previous contact, because she grew up in a traditional Chinese, she grew up in Chanhassen actually, but the only Christian people that she'd ever met were Jehovah Witnesses who came to her door. And that was the only concept she had about God. Let's see them. And so we started meeting. She came to church with me. We like looked at some verses in the Bible. She ended up coming to Christ, and it kind of rocked my world because it made me realize this was this girl I had been around for over a year, and I had just assumed there's no way she's interested in God. Like, I'm going to avoid spiritual conversations with her because it'll be weird. And God, like, I felt like made it so easy and, like, put her right in front of me with this, like, Christian thing to talk about. And I realized, oh, she's actually really hungry and really desiring to know God and I wanted to take advantage of this opportunity. It's also funny, too, because at that point, I tried to pass her off to Sam because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, like I knew how to lead a Bible study, but I'm like, I've never done anything with anyone who's like, they've never opened a Bible. Like, they don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything. They never went to church or even celebrated Christmas or stuff like that. So I was like, I don't know where to begin. And I tried to get someone else to lead her, but Sam assured me that actually God could, in fact, use me and that I could do this. So... That began a long journey. She, this is from our senior year when she got baptized. Um, so once this happened with Diana, I was like, oh, there's like a lot of people around me, and I think God might want to use me to start talking about him. And a lot of them were people from other cultures. So also while I was a student at the U, a lot happened among Muslim students. Like I just kept, I don't know if any of you go to the U of M, but there are lots of Muslim students at the U. There's also tons of Chinese students at the U too, so there's just a lot of people who come from very different backgrounds and may not have many opportunities to hear about Christ. So I, um, these are two Somali girls are in that picture. This is with kind of a Bible study group I led, and we did some fun events. Met these girls, this, and that girl, in that picture, there's a girl named Kadra and Ramla. I met them working at the Kaufman Bookstore. They were kind of co-workers of mine and realized they didn't have any non-Somali friends, and they were super eager to have some friends that, were different, and I don't feel like I know, I didn't feel like I knew much about Islam, I didn't feel like I knew much about Somali culture or anything like that, but I worked with them at the Kaufman bookstore, and God started opening up a friendship, and then after that, there were other girls, I got to know this whole group of Malaysian girls, um, 
this person right here, her name's Hanisa, and I became friends with her, and I got to know the whole group of her friends. There's a lot of kind of, a, I think, Nick and some other people. There's a big group of Malaysian international students at the U. And kind of my junior, senior year, I feel like I was falling into this. Like, I didn't have any grand plan to have some ministry with Muslim students. I just, God happened to put a few of them as co-workers, a few of them as classmates, and reached out to hang out with them and realized, oh, they actually kind of want to be my friend. Like, I was sort of shocked. I was like, why would they want to be friends with me? We're really different. But they did. And some of these, two of the Malaysian girls actually came to my house for Thanksgiving. And they'll still around Thanksgiving email me and be like, I remember when your mom made apple pie. Because they had never been to an American's home and just realized how impactful it was. And there were a lot of opportunities to talk about God. None of these Muslim students end up coming to Christ. But at one point, we even did a joint like campus outreach event with the Muslim Student Center at the U of M. It's called Al-Medina. We talked about holidays, and they shared about their like um, Eid al-Fitr, and we shared about Christmas, and we're able to share a lot about um, the gospel with all these Muslim students who don't really hang out with other people. So God was really doing something in my life in college that I never, never planned on. I wasn't going to college thinking, oh, I just really want to get to know all these international students. I want to get to know all these recent immigrants. But God was putting them in my life and showing me that he could use just an average person. And actually being friends with people opens up a lot of doors to be able to talk about what's important in life. Um, there, and I, I hope one of the verses that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this is in the Bible where God's anointing a new king for Israel with David, and he tells Samuel, I don't look at his appearance or the height or his stature because I've rejected him, talking about Saul. Um, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And just to really assure you that the more you seek the Lord with your heart, he will absolutely use you in people's lives. And in fact, he'll make it pretty easy. I mean, if you start looking for opportunities, you'll realize you do have them. And God's not looking for someone who's just the most extroverted person or someone who's the most culturally aware or just has the most knowledge about anything. He's really looking for people whose hearts worship him, whose hearts long for him. And if that's where your heart's at, God can, God can definitely use you. Um, so God was doing a lot in my life, but even with the best of intentions of what was going on in my life, I, I kind of had a lot of zeal and very little wisdom. So the summer, I, I was having these experiences as a student at the U. I felt like God was rocking my world. I thought I was headed maybe to law school, and then I was like, I don't think God wants to do that with my life at all. We're going to think he wants to do something cross-culturally related to missions. Somewhere in between my junior and senior year, I actually went overseas with a really loose connection from a Bethlehem family to the United Arab Emirates. I don't know if you've ever heard. It's near Saudi Arabia and the Arab Gulf. Um, really, I just thought, hey, I'll go anywhere in the world. It's kind of adventurous. And I'm like, any hard area, I'll go. Um, so I went there. These are just some pictures of some of the girls. This girl over here, Hamda, her name is Hamda. It was kind of amazing. Like I ended up giving her a Bible at the end of the summer, and I just met her. Again, she was someone else that God put in my tracks that I didn't intend to meet. But God, it was a great summer. That was between my junior and senior year, but it was sort of funny because at that time, uh, actually Sam really tried to recruit me to be a room leader on a summer project. I don't know if any of you guys have had that experience. At this point, CO was still really new, and I was like, what? Why would I go to, what, where's Myrtle Beach, and why would I go there, and why would I work at Walmart or McDonald's? Like, I was just so confused. I was, and so I thought, 
no, I'm going to go on this track. I'm going to go over to the Middle East. So I did that, and God actually used me being in the Middle East to realize I need to go on staff campus outreach, which is kind of an amazing track. But oh, while I was there, I realized, wow, there's a lot of complicated things about living overseas. I think I was around teams that had people had wildly different theology, people had really different strategy about missions, and I realized I'm kind of young, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) and I really, I'm like, do I really know how to share the gospel in my own culture? Not really, and I think I just need leadership and training in my life um, and need some help. So I started thinking about Campus Outreach at the U of M, and when I was a student, there were a lot of students involved in the ministry who came from pretty nominal Christian backgrounds, had come to Christ, and their lives were changing really fast. I was like, I don't know what the staff are doing, but God is doing something in a lot of people's lives, and I want to figure out what it is. So I came back my senior year, kind of shocked Sam, because I was like, I want to be all in, like whatever you want. I was like the girl who like rejected Project, and now I'm like, no, I want everything. And um, ended up, they kind of took a chance on me. I ended up coming on staff with Campus Arch Minneapolis, I was one of, there were three of us that were like the first Minnesota people that like non-Southern people that they hired. And so we went on staff and it's been a great adventure. But I, I hope in hearing that, I kind of share the story of my crazy roundabout way to getting on staff. Just to share with you, it is such a privilege where you're at right now. Like just for you to be at this conference and for you to be able to be involved with Campus Outreach while you're in college I guarantee you, never again in your life will you have someone who's pursuing you and wants to like individually help you grow in your walk with God. It is such a unique period of your life. And I promise you, as an adult, you'll be in a church and there might be options for you to grow, but no one's going to go track you down and try and invite you to the, this church thing, whatever it is. And um, you're also not going to have as much time and opportunity to do the types of things that you're doing now. I guarantee you, I know you hear that a lot in college and you think, oh, I'll have time, but once you get out of college and just with work and family, your life gets busy and this time you have now is really precious and so take advantage, take advantage of it. It'll prepare you for whatever God has, whatever God has next for you. So anyway, I went on staff. I include this picture just because it's a picture of Nick in his early days. I don't know if you, if Nick even here, but um, Oh, it's so sad. He missed it. Yeah, but <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, that's okay. This was, it's funny because Nick was the one who designed our team shirts, this beach project, and it was his early, early project days. But um, so I actually, I kind of a weird story. I ended up going on staff in my first summer project experience was actually when I was already on staff. And um, it was great. I thought I would be there. I thought I would be a CEO for two years. I would go on and do something else. And God was growing me a ton, and he was, I think he was using me and just teaching me a ton about how to work with a team, and, and it was hard. I mean, you know, you do a lot of, you, you, of course, you're like trying to interact with other people, have opportunities to share your faith, maybe, maybe your senior year you are meeting with someone to study the Bible, and then you get on staff and you're like, this is my full-time job, and it is really hard a lot of I mean I just remember my first year I was on staff at the U I was just doing all evangelism I wasn't discipling anyone and I had three dorm floors I would go and visit one of them was Anne's Middlebrook on the arts floor up at the like 12th I think it was the 12th floor um but I I sure I'd like do that and I'd come home and just eat popcorn and watch 24 which is really old so it's gonna make you (laughs) it's a pretty old show I was like okay God I can do this but this is really scary and hard but it was like 
wonderful at the same same time to be stretched and to grow and see God see God work. Um, so I was on staff for two years at the U of M and then for three years at Northwestern. Loved it, but the needs of the world were still eating at my heart. Probably helped. I, so we had two CCPs that I helped lead to India. There's Nikki in one of them, and I don't. Reed's not in it, but Reed went one summer too as well. So I feel like my heart was always burning for unreached peoples and just thinking about there's a lot of places in the world where people don't ever interact. They have no family members or coworkers or neighbors. They're not going to run into anyone on the street who knows Christ. And just thinking about a lot of, like, reading the Bible, I just thought there's so many verses that stuck out to me. A few, like John 10, 16, and G- Jesus says, And I have sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Um, and I thought a lot about, actually, God's sovereignty really helped me, but thinking God has people in other areas of the world, and some of us just need to move there and meet them. <laughs> that there's, like, people that God is working in their hearts, and um, it's scary, but it's not really that scary when you think God's prepared people's hearts, and he does have sheep that are not of this fold, and um, he uses people to go find them, which is a great... Um, which is a great gift. And then I, this is in the theme verse in your like little scent packet, but Romans 10:14 is always big. Like, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they he- to hear without someone preaching? So verses like that were really eating away at me. And so I started thinking about, okay, maybe after my fourth year on staff, I was like, okay, maybe it's time for me to move. But it was really hard because I, I love what I did here, and I loved the people, I loved our staff team, so it's a hard thing. And to be a, to, to tell some of the story about Thailand, Thailand initially was not on my, um, oh wait, sorry, that's back there, um, Thailand was not on my radar at all. I, I um, had actually visited China once, I had a friend that worked at ELIC, which is a great organization, and then another friend doing research over there at the time, and I loved it, but I remember thinking, Asia is kind of hard. I don't know. If I, I don't know if I could live in Asia. Now I have. I am, and it's great. I love living in Asia. But um, it was at time was on my radar. I actually thought I'd be going somewhere else. Crazy enough, at this time, this is before the Civil War happened. I had um, kind of some loose friends who were working in Damascus, Syria, which obviously I can't be right now. And um, there were some options to go there, but I started talking to um, the leadership within CO, just saying, hey. I'm thinking about this. What do you think? I'd really like your blessing to consider other options. And um, Ken Curry, who some of you may know around Bethlehem, he, he really encouraged me to visit the team in Thailand. And so I kind of visited thinking, okay, I'm just being respectful and nice to Ken, but I didn't have expectations of actually liking, <laughs> liking Thailand, to be honest. But um, through a series of events, God worked in that everything, obviously, in Syria kind of fell apart, and everything with Thailand was becoming more and more ideal. And I realized it's a great team. It'd be a great place for me to be. Um, and, and it's been a place where I think I've been able to do a lot of evangelism. Tha- Thailand's pretty unique because it's one of the few countries that's in the 1040 window, kind of that part of the world where there's the most unreached peoples, but it's very free. So I can actually go on campus and talk about Jesus, and I'm not going to get kicked off campus. I don't have to hide the fact that I'm a Christian or anything like that, which is it's one of the few countries in the 1040 window with that much openness politically. Um, so it's been 
I think just in my personality and desires towards evangelism, which at first I hated it, now I love it, um, it's been a great place. So I um, ended up going there, and I, um, I should just stop and say, because I hope in the story you're hearing points that apply to you. I think sometimes when we make decisions about our life, it's really easy to kind of over-spiritualize it and think that there's going to be this like one aha moment where this light bulb goes off or we'll have some sort of dream or just a really dramatic emotional experience or something like that that will really confirm, this is what God wants me to do with my life. Um, I never have felt that way, and I'm really okay with it, but I just kind of want to assure you that God works through our circumstances and God works through our community and he works in our hearts, and he'll bring those three things together And the story about Thailand was someone in my community recommended it. And I went over and visited, and it made made a lot of sense. It was a place where I think it fit with my gifting, it fit with my desires. Um, It was a healthy team for me to be a part of. And over time, I had more and more peace about going to Thailand versus anywhere else. It wasn't any great moment. And I didn't have some huge heart for Thai people before I left, to be honest. I think that's developed over time as I've been there. So just to encourage you, if you're just having a general thing of maybe God wants to use me overseas, and besides you kind of wait because you feel like you need to have this special feeling or something like that, don't feel like you have to wait. Like start investigating opportunities. Talk to wise, older people in your life, and God will start making it clear what you should do. Um, So I moved to Thailand officially the summer of 2011. And just to unglamorize it, like my first year... I was just learning the language, and I was the team tag-along. And honestly, so just kind of some fun pictures. This is me. This is Wendy Wester. I don't know if any of you, I disciple her in college. She's someone that some of you guys might know. She came and visited me and on my little motorcycle. I mean, honestly, like a lot of my first year in Thailand, I was figuring out how to drive, how to just get around town, learning the language. Like, it was so unglamorous. Like, it, it's not, I, I think sometimes people can kind of make it into like, oh, life is such an adventure, and it'll just be fun, and really... Life in Thailand was feeling like a kid all over again. It's like I was back to being three years old, and the types of things I could say were the types of things a three-year-old could say. And um, it was hard, but it was wonderful. I mean, if you want to grow in your walk with God, you can put yourself in situations where a lot of things that you find your identity in are taken away, and you'll realize the sweetness of Christ. I think it's easy in my own culture to find identity and I'm able to articulate myself well. I'm able to get jokes and I can make jokes. I'm able to kind of navigate social situations. And when you're put in another culture, you don't know how to navigate social situations. You don't understand any of the humor. You, um, you're often the lost and confused one. You're not like the smart, in control sort of person. You're often like, what is everyone else doing? I'm just going to follow you, but I don't know where we're going or why. You know, but I mean, that was a lot, that was a lot of my life the first year, but it was so sweet, and it still is really sweet. Um, I think God takes away those other things for us to really rely on. Like, what does it mean that we are God's children? And what does it mean to really have to stand and every morning wake up and be like, I'm here because I'm God's child, and he loves me whether or not I'm able to express myself clearly or not. So, also, early years, I um, here was just a gathering of some girls. This is one of the first group things I did in Thailand. I remember feeling like, oh, I can actually invite girls to do something at my house. And um, we're just sitting on the floor. They eat a lot of hot pot and communal meals, so doing that. I um, there's I, I want to end and just share some stories about Thai people and give you an idea. 
because I think sometimes we can talk about unreached peoples and you know there's three billion unreached peoples in the world and you can watch videos like the one we saw which was really amazing um, and it can feel like they're just kind of these people that are really different from you and really far <laughs> kind of far away and just this monolithic people who don't know Jesus um, kind of want to share stories and just make it seem more real and more personal for you um, Thailand, it is politically free. It's kind of an amazing opportunity country to be in. Um, it's very, very Buddhist. Um, it's unreached. Um, if you, I think it's like, there's just some of the Buddhism stuff, but I think it's like 1.3% Christian, but then if you take out Catholic, and there's a lot of Mormons, crazy enough, that Mormons have like done well in Thailand. Um, it's, it's only 0.5% evangelical. And so most Thais have a vague idea about, I mean, because in their social studies curriculum, actually, they learn that, like, Western people believe in Christianity, and Jesus is the leader of Christianity. Like, they're given a kind of textbook. They know that Christians are out there. They know that Jesus, they kind of view Jesus as the leader of, Buddha, or leader of Christianity, and Buddha's the leader of Buddhism, and Muhammad's the leader of Islam, but they don't know much more than that. And... Um, yeah, so it's really fun to be there. It's crazy, but because you're interacting with people every day that you're like, oh yeah, I'm the first Christian they've met. They haven't really ever had a friend who knows Christ. So there's lots of interesting interesting conversations and opportunities. I want to share um, just three stories of different people and give you an idea of what ministry looks like among the unreached. Um, this is kind of an old picture from 2010, I think, when I first visited it. But this woman right here with the bow, this is P. Roon. Um, her name means rainbow. Rune means rainbow. Ties always have nicknames. So I'm not going to get into it, but it's really funny. And so someday at lunch or something like that, come find me, and I'll tell you lots of funny nicknames. Because mm -hmm. um, some of the meanings you're like, why would a parent name you that? But anyway, um, so, and I call her P because she's older than me, so ties are always really conscious of age. Like even if it's a year, you need to call that person like P. So most students in Thailand call me P Lora because I'm older than them. And then I would call them Nong, which means younger person, which is, which I remember feeling so awkward. I was like, they're all calling me old, but everyone's like, it's respectful. It's good. Um, so this is P Roon. She, um, I think now she's about 38 years old. She grew up in a city called Nakhon Sawan, which is in northeastern Thailand, it's an area with very, very few churches. And like most Thais, her family had to move to Bangkok for jobs because most the cities, the, Bangkok's a huge city. There's lots of jobs there. And so her parents just kind of had menial jobs. And she grew up very Buddhist because that's what every Thai is, Buddhist. But she remembers when she was 10 years old, someone on the streets of Bangkok was passing around tracks, like Christian tracks. And she got it and she started reading it. And it was talking, it just introduced the idea of a creator God, which in Buddhism there's no concept of just kind of one creator God. And it kind of sparked her thinking. And she went home and asked her mom, like, Mom, who made us? Or like, why are we, why are we here? And her mom was like, I don't know. No one knows the answer to that. And she just let it, let it be. Like no one in her family um, is a believer. Um, fast forward to her college years. Pirung had a roommate who, she was in Bangkok, at a university in Bangkok, had a roommate who knew a campus outreach staff person, actually Betsy Lawler, who's from Bethlehem and served with CEO in Thailand for many years. 
and Betsy had invited her roommate to a retreat, and the roommate said yes. And then the night before the retreat, Betsy was in their dorms, gathering, getting money for the retreat, kind of a normal thing. And her roommate, um, Peter's roommate, backed out, had to cancel for some reason. And ties are very um, considerate of other people and re- always worried about hurting someone's feelings or something. And so Peter could tell that Betsy was kind of disappointed that her roommate wasn't going. And Peter didn't know Betsy at all, didn't know Theo at all. But she felt really bad, like, oh, this is so embarrassing that my roommate is canceling. And so she said, I'll go instead. <laughs> and so she was like this, this freshman who thought, okay, I, you know, I, I'll go instead. So she went on this retreat, and it was actually at the retreat that she heard the gospel and responded. And God had really prepared her heart. I mean, she had had questions in her head from childhood about wondering about the purpose of life. Um, she ended up coming to Christ and has served with our ministry really faithfully. She's actually an accounting major, hey, business, everything. She's done so much for us in handling our finances and doing it really well and helping us be legal in the country, which is huge. Um, she discipled both of these two girls. So this is Bo and this is Awe. Um, I know, names. Awe was actually my Thai tutor for a year and a half, and Bo is my, my roommate right now. We've been roommates a long time and Bo works with Campus Outreach now, although she was still a student in that picture. But um, Timur has discipled many girls and a lot of them have come on staff. And it's also sort of just God's redeeming purposes all over the place. She recently has gotten married to a guy named P. Baum, B-O-M-B, I know. Anyway, so Baum, <laughs> Baum um, came to Christ also through Campus Outreach at a school in Bangkok and he um, he actually now works with Compassion International in Thailand, and he's the auditor, so he goes around. If any of your families or anyone supports a child with, in Thailand, he's the one who goes around to all the different church partner sites and makes sure they're using their money appropriately. And Pirung and Pibam have a little girl named Lita, and it's just, I, I think, I reflect often on their lives and how different their lives are. Both of them are, um, there were no Christians in their family before them, and we don't know exactly, but... It could have been for a thousand years there hasn't been a single believer in their family line, just with where they live. And just to think of like God cutting in at this moment and saving this person. And P. Room has pr- prayed for her mom for nine years to come to Christ. And about, I think, three or four years ago, her mom came to Christ. And so just to be amazed that God's, God is doing something new in places of the world that have been kind of dark spiritually. They haven't had many believers, and he's doing it. Um, just a few more stories, kind of more recently. This girl here, her name is Mo, short for Dang Mo, which means water, watermelon. Um, so anyway, Mo, I love Mo. Um, she, um, she's in this. She just now is a sophomore, but a freshman business education student. Um, she, I met her as a freshman, and she was really like most Thais are really open to Americans. They're they're not. Um, anti-American by any means and so they're kind of curious and but they're afraid to start conversations but if you start conversations they're usually like oh yay I've always kind of wanted to be around a person who wasn't Thai um so Mo and I started hanging out and she was really friendly really receptive but was also very Buddhist like she went to the temple a lot um her father died when she was younger and because of that Sometimes if families have had tragedy happen, they believe they have bad karma and they'll do a lot of temple activities and different things that kind of try and like fix their spiritual state. And she always seemed pretty, like she would post stuff on Facebook about going to the temples and stuff like that. But she was actually good friends with me and we would have spiritual conversations. She had 
broken up with her boyfriend recently, so we talked a lot about love and Christian perspective about relationships and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I wasn't really sure because she was she's very she was kind of okay being Buddhist. Like when I first met her, she wasn't. Oh, I've always wanted to know about Jesus. Please tell me. She was kind of like, oh, that's great. You're a Christian. I'm Buddhist, but let's just be friends. Um, and that's where a lot of ties are at spiritually. They're not just. Most of them are kind of okay with what they believe initially. But she um, kept coming around to different things we did. She heard the gospel through lots of different avenues. It wasn't just me. Um, and recently, it was kind of sweet. She went on this camp we had. We have CCPs come from other CO regions, so we do these cross-cultural camps with Thai University students and American students for about four weeks. And she went on that, and I had to leave to come back to the U.S. in the middle of it, but she sent me some messages from the U.S. And just sweet to see the power of the body of Christ. She was around a lot of Christians, some, some Thais, some foreigners, and she sent me a message on Facebook and said, I really feel God's love here. I'm going to meet with P. Bo, Bo, my roommate from the other picture, and I'm going to study the Bible. And then I got another message a week later saying, like, I, I believe in Jesus too. I'm a Christian. It was really sweet. And just to see, I think it's a um, reason I share that story specifically with you is just to share the power of Christian friendships over time. And a lot of times you think about the unreached and I think it can be easy to feel like they're all kind of waiting there and you're going to arrive and they're somehow going to be really responsive to to Christ. And to be honest, a lot of the unreached are unreached because they don't initially want <laughs> want God and they're they're not sure. There's a, there are a few places where I think God has done something in people's hearts and they're very receptive. I think China's one of them. But in most of the world, people initially are kind of like, I have my own thing and it's working for me. But God uses people. And I think the more they're around, um, like Mo had never experienced love in the sense of you don't give me something back. Like you're okay just loving me for who I am. Like that was something new. Like even in Thai family relationships, it's um, kind of you're loved because you're giving something to the family and you better love your, like your parents love you as a kid, but you have to love them back. And if you don't, you have to like pay them back your love all the time. And to experience grace and understand that was new and it stirred in her heart and we've seen that happen with a lot of Thai students, just the power of experiencing God's love and relationships. And just to encourage you, like, whatever your giftings is, however God will use you, like, he can use you to love people around you, and God will provide opportunities for you to share about the hope that you have. Um, just want to share so a few other stories to end with. Um, this is Fern, is here in the blue. This is Fern, and this is Bue. Um, Fern... She's an intern with our ministry right now, so we have a lot of Thais who are on staff with Campus Outreach. So it's kind of cool. You guys can think about like CO, and there's if you went to Thailand, there'd be a lot of staff people who are who are Thai. Um, and Fern came to Christ through Campus Outreach. I, re- I remember being on a retreat where she came to Christ. It was really sweet. She had been around, kind of like Mo, had been around for a whole year, just doing a lot of activities, but not really sure what she thought. And her life has been hard. And, and I kind of want to share some about, like, struggles that people have, because I think it can be easy to kind of glamorize, like, oh, if you're a Christian in this unreached area of the world, how amazing, and it's just like one victory after another victory. But actually, probably most of you experience in your life, sometimes it's hard following Christ, and sometimes you experience a lot of suffering and a lot of hardships. And people who come to Christ in unreached part of the world experience all the normal sufferings you experience, plus some, because they're going against the cultural norm in a way that you don't even know. 
Um, Fern has, um, her father died several years ago, and in Thailand, if you have a family member that dies, there's a lot you need to do. And so now, um, every year on the anniversary of her father's death, her whole family goes to temple and performs a lot of just different temple ceremonies for the good of his soul. And it's considered the child's responsibility to kind of keep up the good spiritual merit for your parent's soul. And so since coming to Christ, sometimes she'll go to the temple with her family but not participate in any of the activities in the temple. And it's hard. I mean, obviously it's hard for her to think, my dad died. That's, that would just be sad. Anyone who experienced that, that would be a great sadness. And then to have on top of that, like her brother has told her, do you, I don't think you love our family and you don't love dad because you're not doing this. So it's like normal grief. And then on top of normal grief, you have your family members thinking you hate us. And she had to fight through that and keep loving her family and show them. There's other ways she can show that she loves her family, um, but has been experienced a lot of emotional manipulation. There's not outright persecution in Thailand, but there's tons of family manipulation for people who come to Christ. And sometimes if there's anything bad that happens to the family, the bad luck is blamed on the Christian. And so if your dad loses his job or if someone dies or someone gets in a car accident, which happens a lot, um, it's because of, you know, because you're worshiping a new God. Um, it's hard. She's had hard things with her boyfriend. I mean, her, she, her and her boyfriend both came to Christ around the same time, which is amazing. And you think about normal relational difficulties and think about that and you're both coming to Christ from an unreached background. It's hard. And there's... Um, there's tough things. But God loves to use people even in our weakness. So Fern doesn't know how to deal with her family. Things are hard. She agreed for one year to just work and be an intern with us. And she spent a lot of time with this girl named Bu. Um, Bu's a student. She's actually an art student. She's super fun. She and Fern connected because Fern kind of popularized Pinterest in Thailand, which is really funny. She picked it up from foreigners, and she's, like, really crafty. So she would, so her ministry involved doing Pinterest crafts at her house. So, hey, there's some things that are cross-cultural. But um, so Fern and Bue would spend a lot of time together. They'd, like, make, I'd always get things from them. I'm like, oh, thank you. I have a new bag. But um, anyway, so really sweet. And God was using, God really was using Fern and Bu would come to church a few times. Thai sometimes are like really curious what you do at church. So they kind of like to go visit as like a novel activity. Kind of like, you're like, let's go to a movie and see what happens. It's like, let's go to church and just kind of watch it. You know, like what do they do? You know? So Bu would tag along and Bu started asking questions. Like it's funny, her questions have revolved a lot around prayer because Thais are fascinated with prayer and they're like, how can you know? Like they often want to know like a magic spell. Like how how can you know for sure that God will answer your prayer? Like, it's just because they'll pray to anyone, you know, so they're like, maybe I'll add that to my large plethora of things I worship. And so, but you started asking questions to Fern, and Fern started getting really overwhelmed. So she's like, I don't know, how do I talk about why does God sometimes answer prayer and sometimes doesn't answer prayer? We end up meeting, and um, the three of us, along with another Thai Christian, I end up just sharing the bridge diagram with you. So just again, to show you, a tool like the bridge diagram, you can use that even with other people coming from other backgrounds and just sharing with you about, well, even more than prayer, like how can we even talk to God? Like why do we have, why are we even able to have access to God? And we're able to share about that. Um, Fern was able to share more of her testimony. The other Thai believer with us was able to share some and Bu um, ended up coming to Christ and is walking with God. That just happened in March. Um, 
So these are just, yeah, these are just, sorry, I'm saying it to <laughs> Nick. Um, just wanted to share some stories of like faces of, these are all people like Fern and Bu and Pirung and Bo, my Thai teacher, Aw, Mo. Like all of them are people that they've had no, there's not a single believer in their family. They're all a first generation believer. They're doing something totally new, but God is breaking in and doing it. And he's saving people and he's, he's using me in very small ways, but using me along the process, and I often feel so privileged and amazed. I feel like I have this front row seat to watching God fulfill his promises in the world, and it's just a great gift, and I feel amazed a lot of times that I'm able to see what he's doing so up close, and oftentimes up close it's messy, and it's slow and not always clear. I mean, we have a lot of students, to be honest, that come to Christ, kind of leave the faith. Some of them come back. I mean, it is, it's hard, but God is doing it, and he's building, he's building his church all around the world. Um, so it's sweet to see that kind of one of the key verses with campus outreach has always been Matthew 9, 37 and 38, where when Jesus talks to his disciples, and he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And to see that God is doing that, he's building laborers in Thailand, through Thai people. He's using a few of us crazy foreigners in the process. Um, and God can use you too. I don't know if it'll be on staff with Campus Outreach anywhere in Thailand or on staff with you at all or what it'll be, but God can absolutely use you and in what he's doing in the world. And it's a great privilege to just be a really average person and be able to see what he's doing up close. Just kind of wanted to end with a few practicals. Um, this is you're thinking, I hope all of you are thinking a little bit about how does God want to use me in the world. I don't know if all of you will go overseas personally, but I hope you all consider it. And, um, and I hope you all feel that God uses really average people, and so you don't need to be any sort of Christian superstar to go to, to do something cross-cultural. Um, so practical next steps. One is take advantage of discipleship right now. I think it's easy, like I said this earlier, but it's easy to kind of take it for granted. So some of you might need to go back to the person, in your D group leader, and kind of apologize and be like, I really do want to grow. Like, how can I grow? And I don't want to be wasting this time I have. So dive in. It's good. Like, go to New Year's conference. Like, participate in project. Like, grow as much as you can during these years because it'll bear fruit. I feel like the decisions I made in college, I'm 31 now, like 10 years ago, those decisions are really bearing fruit in my life now, and I think they'll still be bearing fruit in 100 years in the lives of other, other people around me. So grow as much as you can now. It'll only help. Um, second thing is just start praying and get others to pray with you. In the back of your booklets, there's a lot of great websites. I just put up two that are really easy to use, joshuaproject.net and Operation World. Um, they have a great thing, like if you're like, I don't know where to begin, well, they'll tell you every day what to pray for. So if you need somewhere to start, it's like, they even have apps for your phone, so you can just be like, hey, I'll just look at the app on my phone, and there'll be um, a country in the world or a people group in the world to pray for. Um, some of them even talk have like news sites, like what's in the news and how to pray for Syrian refugees or how to pray for something that's happening in Russia. So they're great resources. Third one Get to know an international student. You still have a little time before Thanksgiving. Most international students like never go to an American's home, so think about it. Maybe God would introduce you to someone that you could invite home for Thanksgiving, and it'd be great. It'd expand your world, and it would make your life more fun. Trust me, I feel like my life is so much more rich because I know people from a lot of different backgrounds. Um, fourth point, start supporting a missionary now. Um, probably most of you could afford $20, $25 a month. Like, you don't need to do a whole lot. 
And if, um, if any of you are interested in supporting Thai staff, our Thai national staff with CO always needs support because if only 0.5% of the country is evangelical, there's obviously not a lot of other Thai people they can ask for support, so they have to be dependent on outsiders. Um, so you can talk to me about that if you're interested. But make this, again, just making decisions now will bear fruit later in your life, and if you're able to prioritize giving towards people now, it'll help you give later. And the last point, which I love, because I think second to the Bible, reading missionary biographies have been the most encouraging for my faith in general. These are three of my favorite. Um, A Chance to Die by Elizabeth Elliot. That's Amy Carmichael in India. Um, Evidence Not Seen by Darlene Dibler-Rose. She was interned during World War II in Papua New Guinea by the Japanese, um, Japanese soldiers and has kind of an amazing story about that. And then the last one, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And then in the back of your booklet, there's some other books listed as well, which are really good. Um, and I know I'm almost, i got to be done. But if you do want to, I would love to stay in touch with you guys. I love, um, I love this ministry. I feel like it's all near and dear to me and it feels like my home in a lot of ways. If you want to get updates from me about just what's happening in Thailand and with Campus Arch in Thailand, I'll add you to my update list. So you can just text me your email right now. I don't care if you got your phone. So that's my phone number. So um, you can just text me your name and your email address and I'll add you. I'll add you to that list. And if you are interested in supporting a Thai staff person, just make note of that and I'll follow up with you about it. Um, but that's all for now. I don't think I have time for questions because I think I'm out of time. But uh, I think there's breakout sessions later. So I'd love to get to know all of you more and hear more of your stories too. That reader. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.